You are listening to audio from the Mariner campus of CA Church, located in Coquitlam, British Columbia. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning, everyone. I hate to do this. Yeah. It's like a reunion this morning. This is awesome. I honestly felt guilty calling everybody, yeah. yeah. Well, good to see everyone. Welcome. My name is David, and one of the pastors here, and uh, it's, it's really good to see everyone here this morning, and man, it's good to, to just connect with one another and, and to talk. And again, I, I felt, felt funny just stopping it, <laughs> but, um, but we have the Word of God to hear from, right? So uh, this is going to be good. Um, but before we do so, in light of all the things that are going on in our world this week, I think we need to pray. I know many of you um, come from a Ukrainian background or uh, from Eastern Europe or different places. And, and so I thought we'd, we'd begin our time just with a call and a prayer uh, for peace in this world. Uh, there's, there's so much going on. And uh, we just seem to get through one crisis and then a new crisis starts. So... Uh, if ever before, we need to really call upon God. So let's pray. God of all grace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God of peace and justice, this morning, Lord, we pray for the people of Ukraine. We pray for peace in the laying down of weapons in the midst of war. We pray for all those who fear for their lives today and for tomorrow. We pray by your spirit that you would comfort people and draw them near to you, that you would draw near to them. We pray for those with power over war or peace, for wisdom, discernment, and compassion to guide decisions. We do pray for peace. We pray for all your children. We pray for the children who are at risk and in fear. We pray that you would hold and protect them. And Lord, we do pray that you, the Prince of all, pre, uh, Prince of all Peace, would speak into the hearts of those who are powerful and remind them that they are dust that we live, we breathe, we have our being because of you. And so we do lift up this whole situation in Ukraine. We pray for peace. That's all we do. We call upon you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if, you've, um, if you're new here, we've, we, start a, uh, we started a series last week. And the series is called God of All Things. And the focus is of this series is to explore what God is like, who God is, by looking at the things God makes. And so, it's based upon a book um, written recently by called God of All Things. And last week, Pastor Sam introduced us to pigs. 
And uh, he, we looked last week that in our natural state, we are like pigs, but in Christ, we become the sweet aroma of bacon. And for those of you who weren't at the service last week, you're like, what are you talking about? So you may want to go back and listen to it, because what I said may just be confusing. Um, today, today, we are going to be looking at, you ready? Dust. Dust. Now, okay, now, we're going to be talking about dust, and I have to say right from the get-go that this is a little bit difficult for me because, frankly, I don't notice dust. Um, Amen. <laughs> when I'm told to dust a room, my first question is usually, what dust? <laughs> and why? It's just going to get dusty again, right? Well, now, there are times I do notice dust. Um, usually when I pull a book off my shelf that I haven't looked at for a while, before I crack it open, I, and I see the dust, right? Usually about once a year when I clean my dresser, and I notice that actually the original color is different than what I thought, um, then I notice dust. Or, or, or um, in the fall when I turn the furnace on. <laughs> I realize, yeah, there's lots of dust, right? Now, when I say the word dust, what comes to mind for you? What's that? Drywall. A drywall dust, yeah. So like in a construction site kind of thing, yeah? So just drywall. <laughs> Nothing else comes to mind. Allergies, yeah, allergies. Dirty, dirty is that what you said? Yeah. Sorry? Neglect. Oh, oh, you're setting me up. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. We'll stop right there. Yeah. <laughs> Dirt, declay, and, neg and, and neglect. Yes. And we see this, you know, in work sites um, where things have been knocked down, or sometimes in the heat of summer, you look at the soil, the crumbling soil in the garden. Um, ghost towns up north in BC. Um, you think of Kamloops or a Soyuz in the summer, right? Lots of dust. Now, why are we talking about dust? Well, God says that you and I are made of it. So take a look. And it shows up many places in Scripture. We're going to look at um, a couple of passages, but for starters, let's look at Psalm 90. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 90. It's right probably smack dab in the middle of your Bible. You'll come across the Psalms. Psalm 90, beginning in verse 1, in honor of God's word, let's stand together, and I'll read this. Psalm 90, beginning in verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or a watch in the night. And yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Lord, speak to us, we pray. 
soften hard hearts, and grant us the courage to respond to what you say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the Bible teaches us that you and I, day after day, as we grow older, are destined to return to dust. Now, I recognize, in light of what's going on in the world, this is hardly an encouraging word this morning. And yet, this picture of dust reminds us that one day we will die. And it's laid out throughout Scripture, right at the beginning of the Bible, when man and woman chose to disobey God rather than trust in Him. And when they ate of the fruit, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, a curse was placed upon humanity. And we read right at the beginning in Genesis 3, we read, For you are dust, and to dust you will return. That we are destined to dust. Now, you say this, and not everybody responds okay to this news. In fact, in fact, some people might get quite angry all this talk about dust and dying. Some people might say, don't be talking about death. I hate talking about death. We should fight against death. There's the old poem by uh, Dylan Thomas. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you may hear this news that we are destined to dust, and you're like, no, not me, not me. I will rage, rage against the dying of the light. Uh, You may fight against your your dustiness and say, not me. I got a plan. I got a plan. may not work, but I got a plan. After I die, I'm going to freeze my body. And, And given enough time through science, there will come a day where I can live again. Or you may say, not me, not me. I got plans. I know within about 40 years, the technology will be such that my brain, my brain, can be somehow placed into a computer and I could live forever. Do you know one of the chief engineers of Google, that's his plan? Uh, Every day he takes anti-aging therapy and a whole host of vitamins in order to live long enough so that the technology has arrived so that he can, through transhumanist approach, live forever by putting his brain into a computer. And so people, yes, we're going to rage against it. But here's the thing. We can rage all we want. The mortality rate still stands at 100%. None of us is going to get out of here alive. And Hebrews 9, verse 27 teaches us, it is appointed for a man to die once, and after that comes judgment. We came from dust, and to dust we will return. And I always find it interesting that a lot of people, a lot of secular humanists will say, you know, you Christians, you're naive. You believe in immortality. You believe you're going to live forever. Us, us atheists, us secular humanists, we're much more realistic in our, in our understanding of this world. But I don't think that's true. I've done lots of funerals in my life. And I'll tell you, the ones who are the most superstitious are the ones that are atheists. 
I find that uh, people who are secular humanists who do not believe in God, and you have to realize that was me for a lot of my life, we used to spend a lot of time looking for workarounds to gain immortality or thinking of ways to deny our impending deaths, thinking of ways we can escape it. But here's the thing. Christians, we don't believe in immortality. Historically, Christians actually have no problem talking about death. In fact, we could be accused of talking about death a little too much. Uh, Read the Puritans. (laughs) They, They talked about death all the time. And throughout the ages, Christians have written, taught, preached, lived, and reflected on two realities. One, that we will all die. And secondly, we need to learn to die well. I used to read, um, and I picked it off the shelf again today, blew off the dust, (laughs) Um, the journal of a Mennonite pastor who lived in Ukraine in the early 20th century. And uh, every day in his journal entry, he was talking about um, either burying a child or burying someone who had died in his community. It was so common. Death was all around them. And only in our secular humanist context will we hide or sugarcoat our deaths. We talk about, not funerals, but we talk about celebrations of life. Or that so-and-so is always going to be with us. But for Christians, we don't believe in immortality. We believe in resurrection. And here's a kicker. To be resurrected, we need to die. And that's why traditionally outside of buildings where resurrection is preached or proclaimed, what would you find? (laughs) I'm talking about old churches. What would you find outside old churches? Yeah, graveyards. I think I have a picture of a graveyard. I was just dying to show you this one. (laughs) (laughs) Do I have a picture? Maybe I don't. Yes, I do. There's a graveyard, yes. Um, And one of my favorite graves, I just always like to show this one, is the next one. Can you have a favorite grave? Yes. Okay, I have a favorite grave. Here's me with a good friend, my good friend Nigel, and my guy that I studied a little too much that nobody's ever heard of, so that's okay. Uh, John Barrage. But I love John Barrage. He's buried. He buried. He makes sure that he's buried with the unknown, unnamed people in the community, people in the lowest orders of society. And on his epitaph, he actually speaks to the person walking by. He says, uh, you know, here lies the remains of John Barrage late vicar of Everton, an itinerant servant of Jesus Christ who loved his master and his work and after running on his errands many years was called up to wait on him above. And then he speaks to you as you walk by. He says, reader, reader, you, art thou born again? Right? No life, no salvation without a new birth. For Christians, our message and our hope is based on the one who died and rose again, Jesus Christ. That's why at the center of our faith is a symbol of suffering and death. You ever think about that? A cross. Think about communion and how morbid this is. We eat the body and the blood of Jesus. Again, it's centered around and rooted in death. And when I do graveside services, which I do quite often, there's a point in the service where I do what? I grab some sand 
grab some dust. And I pour it on the coffin and say these words, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And before the dust even hits the coffin, the wind blows it away. Why it's at the beginning of the Bible where we come across a bit of a surprise. Because we encounter the word dust early on in the Bible. But it's interesting, it actually has nothing to do with death. But it has everything to do with life. Strange. Genesis 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living creature. Now, note this. This is humanity. They haven't sinned. We're still in communion with God. The tree of life is still available to us, but we're told that we are created from what? Dust. What's, what's being said here? Well, it's telling us, first off, that along with the rest of the world, you and I have been created. We are part of the world around us. We're made of matter, of stuff. We are created in God's image, yes. We are to image God with our lives, yes. We are, but we are embodied creatures that occupy space. That's why this whole idea of putting my brain into a computer to live for, as if my brain sums up who I am. As if my body doesn't factor in. As Christians, we say, no, our bodies matter. We're not ghosts, but we're built from atoms and molecules, carbon and oxygen. And in the Bible's economy, matter matters. Our bodies are not secondary. And in our culture, we live in a world where our bodies are treated as secondary. But that's not a biblical notion. Our bodies matter. Secondly, it tells us that we are supernaturally created. It's interesting. In the ancient Near East, you come across some other creation stories. And in these creation stories, what often happens is that humanity is created out of clay, molded out of clay. And you can kind of get that, right? You can kind of see that. You, know, you take some clay and you mold it and you make the head and then you make the arms and you can see that, yes. <laughs> but you can't mold anything out of dust. Try it. The only thing you're going to get is a pile. <laughs> and when the wind blows, it's gone. And so the question becomes, how does a pile of dust go from nothing into something? Well, it requires the breath of the Lord. It is God who animates something that is dead and makes it into a living soul. And so we're reminded in this passage, in passages throughout Scripture, that our lives are dependent upon another. Without God, we are nothing. Without God, we are a pile of dust that can be swept away. But because of God, this pile of dust becomes the image of God. Now, I find this truth kind of comforting, believe it or not, because it reminds me, because of God, I'm alive. Because of God, I'm, I'm a physical and spiritual being, body and soul. I live, I breathe, I have my being because God created me. I'm the image of God. Because of God, I'm a... I'm invited to be a king, a priest, an ambassador, slightly lower than the angels. And this picture that God created us is actually the foundation for the emergence of human rights in the Western world. 
You know that. Human rights just don't, doesn't come out of a vacuum. It, it comes out of this understanding that we are made by God and have dignity and value. It also tells me that I need to be humble. <laughs> Nothing will keep you more humble than to remember that you are dust. <laughs> and it's true. We are dust. And what is humility? Humility is appropriate smallness. That's what humility is. It's not like, oh, I'm no good. I mean, that's not what humility is. Humility is recognizing, man, but for God, I'm, I'm nothing, right? God knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Psalm 103. And knowing that we come from the ground, I think, keeps us grounded. In fact, the word humble comes from the Latin root humus, which means soil or earth. And so we hold these things in tension. On one hand, we're made by God and we have dignity and value in the image of God, yes. But on the other hand, we're dust. <laughs> I love C.S. Lewis in this great line in the Chronicles of Narnia. He says, you, where Aslan speaks to a human being, he says, you come from the Lord Adam and the Lady Eve. And that is both honor enough to erect the head of the poorest beggar and shame enough to bow the shoulders of the greatest emperor on earth. And so, you think about it, to be humble, to be humble means simply recognizing that our lives are not our own. And I find that also comforting because it gives us limits. It puts limits on us. Sometimes we think we can do everything. I've seen some of your, your schedules some of you think you're superhuman, and you think you're going to get through all the things on your schedules. But one of the things about being human is that we have limits. And that's a good thing, isn't it? And yet, it's interesting, in our culture, we were preoccupied with what? Superheroes. Because this idea of being limited, being restrained, doesn't sit well in our secular world. But the reality is, is that we do have limits. We cannot transcend our, our limitations. We come from dust, and to dust we shall return. Now here lies the Christian hope. Yes, we are made from dust, and yes, to dust we will return. But only for a little while. Listen to what the Bible says. In Daniel 12, we read, Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. We see in the book of Ezekiel a picture of a dry bones in a valley and a dusty dead land coming back to life through the breath of God. In, in, in Kings, we, we read about the prophet Elijah raising to life a widow's son. In the book of John, we see Jesus at the grave raising his friend Lazarus back to life. And the reality is, is that God is in the business of making dead come alive. He's made many of you who are lost, you're dead, and your trespasses and your sins going one way that was leading nowhere. And he's made you alive through Jesus. And yes, in Adam, we are dust people. We will one day die, and our bodies will decompose and become food for worms, yes. 
And if we stopped here, do you know what? If we stopped here, man, you guys would go home pretty depressed. I'd be pretty depressed. If, if all that is that we are going to die and become food for worms, my goodness, well, then we may as well eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. Right? What is the point of living? We'd have great reason to Google how to cryogenically freeze our bodies with the vain hope that sometimes some technology will arrive that will make us back, bring us back from the dust. But Christianity offers a deep, deep hope in a hopeless world. 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes these words. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people without hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Then we will be with the Lord forever. And then he says these words. He says, so encourage one another with these words. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I, by putting our faith and hope in him, we will rise to become heavenly people without dust or decay. We will have new bodies that will not turn to dust, but will be fully alive forever. So what does this all mean? Well, it means our future is not based on the man that came out of the dust. But our future is based on the man who came out of the grave. Right? Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the future is dust-free. Now, I think we need to hear this. In light of what's going on in the world, so many of us are feeling twitchy, feeling overwhelmed, feeling heavy. Feel... But we need to remember this. The future is dust-free. And I think it's appropriate, especially as we go into this week. Does anybody know what Wednesday is this week? Ash Wednesday comes after my favorite day, Pancake Tuesday. <laughs> Though in our household, pretty much every day is Pancake Tuesday. Um, Ash Wednesday. Well, what is Ash Wednesday? It's kind of the beginning of what? And what's the season called? Yeah, yeah, it leads up to Easter. It's, it's the season of Lent. Yeah. And it culminates, it culminates at Easter, right? It culminates with the Holy Wake marking the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so on Ash Wednesday, if, if you grew up like in an Anglican church or a more liturgical church, what do you do on Ash Wednesday? You burn, okay, yeah. And what do you do with the ashes? Put them on your forehead. So you walk around with a smudge on your head all day, right? You can always tell who is. <laughs> now you do this. And when you take this, uh, these ashes, Ash Wednesday, you take the ashes. What you do is, 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 is when you put, the, put a mark on you, you say the words often, memento mori. 
which means remember you will die. That's what it means. And so when you wear it, put the cross or you put the ashes on you, you are reminded that from dust you've come to dust you will return. And you remember that. You remember that because you see that the wages of sin is death. And it all points to Good Friday, to Jesus' death on the cross. But then we hit glorious Resurrection Sunday where we realize that yes, in our natural state, yes, in Adam, we are all going to turn to dust. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's only for a little while. And the final word will be life. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our future is dust-free. And some of you this morning may need to hear this. Some of you came here this morning and you're like, yeah, I came to church. I thought it might be kind of good. You've never heard this truth about Jesus. And maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable, but you want to know. You want to know how your future can be dust-free. I get that because I grew up, I was an atheist. I didn't know anything about this. And when I heard the news that my future could be dust-free because of what Jesus has done, not what I had done, it made all the difference. And some of you may need to hear this this morning. And some of you may say, you know what? I'm in. I want to be in. Now, if that's where you're at, what I'd like to do is pray for you. And then we're going to worship one song in response. But first off, let's pray together. Invite the worship team up. Jesus, we thank you that because of your death and resurrection, our future is dust-free. Your word teaches us that from dust we came to dust we will return. But because of your resurrection, it's only for a little while. And that our future is resurrection. And there are some here this morning that have either forgotten this or have heard this for the first time. And Lord, I pray that you would hear them in their hearts right now as they cry out to you saying, I want in. I'm tired of living my life trying to make a name for myself or trying to do this or trying to instill some kind of meaning into this life, especially if it's just going to turn to dust. And Lord, I pray that you would hear their cry as they cry out to you. And if that's where you're at this morning, Lord, uh, if you're here this morning and that's where you're at, then I would encourage you to cry out to God and say, I'm in. Jesus, there's so much going on in our world that is just overwhelming. And it's easy to fall into a depression or fall into despair. And so we hold on to the truth of the resurrection. We hold on to the gospel, the good news that you loved us so much that you died for our sins but did not stay dead but you're raised to new life and you said you've defeated death. Now all those who put their faith in you and trust in you, that death will not have the final word but the final word will be life. So uh, Lord, help us to live our day-to-day -day lives in light of this reality. That's our desire in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.